Thank you for joining us here at Celebration Church, where we celebrate God, celebrate people, and celebrate life. We hope you enjoy today's message. Are you hungry? Are you actually hungry or are you just plopped in your seat? (laughs) Can I be real this morning? Online, welcome, welcome, welcome. We love you. I just pray that no matter where you are, that the Holy Spirit and His angels will just break down walls and that you will feel like you are in the midst of the throne room just because you're not here. Even if you're listening weeks and months after this was recorded, I pray that you get the same revival power that we're about to experience in the house this morning. Does that sound good? Let me take a sip of water. My son was just drinking, when I was just taking him out, was just drinking this. And the backwash that a toddler can do is like impressive. <laughs> like He has this drink bottle. <laughs> Sorry, this is just like not relevant at all. But I'm going to tell you this. He has this drink bottle that has a straw, like a, a small straw. And after he's had lunch, I look at it and there's like chunks. And I'm like, how do chunks get through the straw? But he somehow just, I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, it's amazing. as I drink like my backwash water. (laughs) So good. If you're new with us, my name is Charlie. I pastor and look after this incredible church with my husband, Benaya. We've been doing it for three-ish years. Is this just one page, Libby? Oh, yeah, it is. (laughs) Go, where's the rest of my... (laughs) It's okay. It's not going to be a long one, so that's okay. No, I'm joking. <laughs> you know when, like, someone gets up here and they start flicking and you're like, oh. I bet that this will be, like, the longest <laughs> time that you've been in church. And it won't be because of the word. It will be because of his presence. And you won't care anyway. So, <laughs> are we ready? Oh, good Lord, I'm ready. That, thank you. Let's applaud Pastor Joel. <laughs> the joys of being a mother. You're just getting used to like getting second seconds all the time. So praise Jesus. <laughs> My revival moment, fresh water. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor Joel. Oh, where do we start? I'm actually a little bit nervous, if I can be honest, and not nervous because I, I don't like to be in front of you guys, but nervous because... I don't know what to expect with what he's going to do this morning, but it's good. It's a good sign when I feel a bit like, (laughs) Um, what am I going to read first? I don't know. All right. Let's go to Ezekiel 37. Ezekiel 37 verse 1. This is not what I'm speaking on per se, um, but I'm just going to put it out there and then it's my prophecy for this morning in Jesus' name. Ezekiel 37 says, The hand of the Lord was upon me and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley and it was full of bones. He caused me to pass among them, around them, and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley, and lo, they were very dry. Does anyone feel dry this morning? 
It's okay. Everyone's looking at me like with their eyes saying, yes, but your hands aren't going up. It's okay. The Lord knows your heart. You don't have to confess to me. Um, They were very dry. And he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, you know. And he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter you that you may come to life. I will put put soons, is that up on there? Soons? Sinews, thank you. Sinews on you. Make flesh grow back on you, cover you with skin and put breath in you that you may come alive and you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded and as I prophesied, there was a noise. Do you know that? That before, and it's cool because this is like also in what I'm going to be talking about in 1 Kings with Elijah. But before God does something, there's a noise. Interesting. As I prophesied, there was a noise and behold, a rattling and the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked and behold, flesh grew and skin covered them, but there was no breath. And he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they may come to life. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they came back to life and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. An exceedingly great army. Dry bones to bones with flesh on to bodies with breath inside of it. And then an army. I want to read this quote to you. It'll be on the screen. It's from Bill Johnson's... um, book open heavens which i've been reading and it's just messing me up um and this is him this is this is not my quote this is this is from him i've seen times when the presence of god is so pronounced in a gathering that musicians couldn't play singers couldn't sing preachers couldn't preach and the need for christian activities all but vanished why because he is among us and nothing else matters. The awareness of his presence is so pronounced that everything else fades into obscurity. Schedules dissolve, anxieties disappear, and reconciliation is in the air. The need to do something to satisfy our definition of a good meeting goes away, while confession, repentance, and restoration relationships become common, although they are seldomly directed from the platform. In such moments, I've had people ask me to invite people to faith in Christ. When are you going to give the altar call? 
Others have been miraculously healed when no one is praying for healing. And still others obtain a sound mind that was promised to them at their salvation. The mightier the manifestation presence of God is among us, the less there is for us to do, except, of course, respond to him. He leads in the dance and ours is to follow. Our role in directing the meeting ceases because he is here and he is Lord. Let me just pray for us. If you can all just close your eyes. Or don't, it doesn't matter, really. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, God. Father, the reason we gather this morning is for you. The reason we position ourselves in this building, in this place, is for you. It's to encounter you. It's to encounter your truth. It's to encounter your kingdom. It's to encounter your love. It's to encounter your healing, your forgiveness, your promises. And God, I just... I'm so humbled and so in awe that you would choose to meet with us, that you would choose to walk with us, that you would choose to use us and partner with us in establishing your kingdom here on earth. And we just take a moment to just honour you and say, it is all about you. It is all about you. That beautiful example that was read of when, when revival comes, when you turn up. It's not about the musicians playing. It's not about the preachers preaching. It's not about our agendas and our time frames because you are there and you are here and you are in our midst. And how dare we rush you? How dare we try and hurry things along? How dare we try and take over the microphone and, and fill the, the room with noise that isn't about you? And so today, my God and my beautiful King, I say it is all about you. It is all about you, King Jesus. The battle that you've already won, the sacrifice that you have already given, God, that you have paid the price in full for everything that we need, for our access into everything eternal, everything kingdom. And God, I just, I just stand on your word and your promises 
that you have paid it all. You have paid it all for all of our sin, all of our sickness, all of our doubt, all of our fear. It is dealt with once and for all and it is now our right and our inheritance to reign as heirs of salvation. It is our right to access everything that you have for us in the kingdom. And I just pray this morning, I just ask you, Holy Spirit, that I so get out of the way for you to come and move for us to have just an audience of one with you. That every single person here won't be, won't be satisfied with a service. And I ask for those hungry. If you're hungry this morning, this is for you. I ask for those that are hungry that you would fill them but not even just fill them, overflow them. That this morning would be a significant moment in the life of our church where people taste and see the goodness and kindness of our God, that you would fill us up and then some, that you would give us our prayers answered and then some, that you would give us such a fresh revelation of who we are, what we're called to be doing, what we're called to be seeing, what we're called to be reaching, what our hands and our arms and our feet and our legs and our mind is supposed to be responding to in the kingdom, God, that we won't be satisfied with just being religious, with just turning up, with just ticking the box of we went to church this week, so it's good enough. We want more, God, and I just ask and I prophesy right now to dry bones. I bring in that Ezekiel 37 scripture and I prophesy, dry bones come to life. May you be built up again. May the things that are broken and discouraged and disappointed inside of you be stripped away and you be built back together. May flesh come back on you. And then as you stand there, may the Spirit of God breathe such breath inside of you that you come back to life. Some of us need to wake up wake up, wake up, come back to life. You're just sitting there. You're just functioning. You're just surviving. You're just living. That's not what God has for you. He has better and best and more and abundance. And this morning, God, I'm not satisfied. I'm not satisfied. I'm not comfortable. I'm not, I don't have enough. I want more of you. It might sound selfish. It might sound the wrong thing to say, but I want more. I want more of your goodness. I want more of your truth. I want more of your love. I want more of your power. I want more of your spirit. I want more healing, salvations, all of that, God. I want to see more. I want to see more and I'm so desperate and I'm so hungry and I pray, God, that this morning, Holy Spirit, that you would breathe that you would breathe. Dry bones come back to life. But don't just come back to life to standing. Come back to life to be an exceedingly great army. An army that is equipped, an army that has a shield and a sword, an army that knows how to fight the enemy, that is bold and courageous, doesn't hold back, doesn't whimper back, doesn't say, oh, well, Satan's trying to do this and the enemy is after me. That is rubbish because he's already been defeated. He's not after you. It says he's rolling around like a lion. Of, of, of what is it? Like he's a, yeah, anyway. But it doesn't mean that he's not defeated. He's already defeated. You are not the tail, you are the head. You are not a slave, you're a son. You are not just surviving and getting by, even though sometimes our feelings feel that. You know, you're not your feelings. You're not your situation. You're not your circumstance. You are called to be seated in heavenly places. Seated in heavenly places. Oh, my goodness.
let's get going and then we're gonna just rip this apart is that what you said i don't know um if anyone has heard me share before i really like and i know i always say this but i just i feel some i mean i've been in church my whole life i've had the privilege and honor of growing up with that heritage and it's not something that i take lightly but I have sat in so many meetings and I know what is expected in quotation marks, the right things to say, how you respond, how you... And I, I want to say this from the front because I don't want you to ever feel that, I don't know, you're like expected to be something in here. Like I want you to respond to him. If you've got your eyes closed, I won't be offended. I mean, look, have a little nap if you want to. You might miss out, but that's okay. Um, no, but like if you need to close your eyes, close your eyes. If you need to come down the front, like be here. We call this the altar. I don't know. There's, it's not like there's anything s spiritual about the front carpet squares. Um, but if you feel like you need to do that, do that. If you feel like you need to draw, draw. If you feel like you need to go and sit in a corner and just do that. Like just, if you feel like you want to stand up and just lift your hands, do that. I mean, probably don't like break out in like, I don't know, Mariah Carey or something. If the, if the Lord so compels you. But like, just I want you to respond to him. It, nothing else matters but you responding and encountering God today. Okay? It doesn't matter if you say the right things or you look the part or you, I don't know, want to be here or you don't want to be here. Like, it just, I want you to encounter him and encounter him for you because I can preach whatever I can preach. I can share whatever I can share. But unless something inside of you goes, yes, and a fire and a spark is lit, you will walk out of here and nothing will have changed. So I want that for you. Just know that that's my heart. So please, if you need to respond to him in any way, do it. Do it, do it. Thanks, Kezi. And also, like, remember that we're Celebration Church? <laughs> when I drove in, I was like, oh, celebrating God, celebrating people, celebrating life. That's right. Like, <laughs> we're not, like, I don't know, coming in with, like, our sackcloth morning ashes being, like, I'm just going to church today. It's like, I'm going to church today. Woo! No? Do you feel that? Do you ever feel that like, mm. <laughs> come on. Anyway, you should. You guys should be coming in here being like, man, God is in the house today and anything can happen. That's why I said like, I feel kind of a little bit nervous because I'm like, Literally, like, I don't care. I don't, like, if you all just, like, were slain in the spirit and fell over on your backs and I was just here preaching to your feet in the air, I'd be like, yes, come on. Anyway, let's do it. Let's do it, let's do it, let's do it. So, 1 Kings, if you have your Bibles, let's go to 1 Kings. And do you know what is so cool? My beautiful husband who, I don't know whether the wives and husbands have these, like, discussions with each other but like obviously like I read my bible I like you know love God I spend time with him I worship him and like it was probably maybe like two weeks ago when I was talking about something and like I haven't I don't know whether this is a bad confession I haven't read the bible back to front sorry I read my bible every day but like there's some bits in the old testament that I get to and I'm just like <laughs> no <laughs> If anyone's read, like, some of, like, the Lamentation bits, it's like, ooh, it's just, like, a bit 
tedious. Anyway, so <laughs> sorry if that's like offensive to you. Um, anyway, Benaiah, we were talking about something, I can't remember, and we were talking about one and two kings, and I was like, I don't, like I've read chunks of them, but I don't think, and then he was like, so like, you haven't read that all the way through? And I was like, whoa, man, like, don't act like I'm a heathen. Like, I read my Bible and he's like, yeah, but, and then you know how you start to have those, like, moments with your spouse where it's like they're trying to, like, bring correction and you totally feel conviction, but you don't want to, like, agree with them that you're feeling convicted. So then I'm like, yeah, but I mean, like, I'm not going to be religious about reading, like, just because you've said it. And he's like, no, you need to read it. And I'm like, getting so convicted. But at the same time, I'm like, okay, I probably need to. Anyway. Long story, but I have been reading 1 Kings from beginning to end. I know, praise the Lord. Um, and can I say, like, if you've never, there's like stories out of those 1 Kings and 2 Kings, which we read and we take them out of the context and it's cool. But when you actually read it in like the lineal, like, what's that called? Progression? Chronological order. Someone say that. The Lord spoke to me. Um, then it's like it makes sense on a different way where you're like, oh, yes, like that's where that fits. That's who Elijah is to like, and it all kind of like, it's like this beautiful puzzle. Anyway, so I was reading 1 Kings and we're going to read it together. I'm talking on, can you see what's coming? Can you see? I see it coming. I feel coming, baby. Um, not a Christian song. Um, okay, so 1 Kings 18 verse 1 says, Now it happened after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go, show yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain on the face of the earth. This is when there had been drought in the land for many years. Yeah, Before this, before Elijah had that word of the Lord come, was when he went and saw the widow, and she was going to get water enough to bake her and her son some bread, if you've read that story just before she's about to die. So the famine, the drought was so severe that there was famine in the land. This poor widow was at the point where she was like, I'm doing the last meal for me and my son and then we're dying because there's nothing left. And then that's when she served Elijah and then her pot of oil never ran out and her bread, that's really cool. Anyway, so this has been like years of this drought. And then God says to Elijah, go and show yourself to Ahab and I'm going to send rain on the face of the earth. Skip down. Da, 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 two verse we'll go over 17 maybe so I'm skipping it because what happened was Elijah had that word and then Ahab said to Obadiah both of us need to split up and try and find enough water try and find springs of water in the land so they split up Elijah comes to see Obadiah first and then he's like Where's Ahab? I need to show myself to him. And Obadiah's like, um, you're going to get killed. Um, Ahab and Elijah, not good friends. Anyway, so that whole story was about them. And then he eventually comes to Ahab and he says in verse 17, When Ahab saw Elijah, Ahab said to him, Is this you, you troubler of Israel? So again, a bit hostile, not best friends. He said, I have not troubled Israel, but you and your father's house have. Because you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord and you have followed the Baals. Now then, send and gather to me all of Israel at Mount Carmel, together with 450 prophets of Baal and 400 prophets of Asherah, who eat at Jezebel's table. So he's pretty much saying, like, let's gather everybody, but, you know, the prophets of Baal, the people that sit at Jezebel's table, which are like 
not good people. So Ahab sent a message among all of the sons of Israel and brought the prophets together at Mount Carmel. Elijah said, Elijah came near to all the people and said, How long will you hesitate between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people did not answer him a word. Then Elijah said to the people, I alone am left a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. So this is one guy standing up against 450, yeah? Now let them give us two oxen and let them choose one ox for themselves and cut it up and place it on the wood and put no fire under it. And I will prepare the other ox and lay it on the wood and I will not put fire under it. Then you call on the name of your God and I will call on the name of my God and the God who answers by fire, he is God. And all the people said, that is a good idea. Okay, so Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose one ox for yourself and prepare it first for you are many and call on the name of your God and put no fire under it. Then they took the ox which was given to them and prepared it and called on the name of Baal from morning until noon. O Baal, answer us! But there was no voice and no one answered. They leaped about the altar which they made. It came about noon and Elijah mocked them. (laughs) I love this. I just, like... I just love this. There's one guy, yeah, like one guy up against 450 prophets of Baal, let alone the rest of Israel that were gathered there, yeah, because he said gather all of Israel and the 450 prophets of Baal. Just one guy and he's just like sitting back, watching the shenanigans happening. All the prophets are dancing around and calling out and there's still no answer. And this is what Elijah says to them. Call out with a loud voice for he is a God. Either he is occupied or gone aside or he's on a journey or perhaps he's asleep and needs to be awakened. (laughs) So Elijah's just there being like, come on, like, let's just get this show over with. Like, just so confident. So cool. Anyway, so they cried out with a loud voice and cut themselves according to the custom with swords and lances until the blood gushed out on them. Come on, Old Testament. <laughs> Bit of like gore for your Sunday morning. Then midday was past and they, they raved until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice. So they've gone from morning to noon to now it's evening. And they've just like sung and danced and cut themselves and done all these scenes. And Elijah's still going, eh, I don't know. Come on. Um, and then it says, Then Elijah said to all the people, Come near to me. So all the people came near to him and he, prepared, he repaired the altar of the Lord which had been torn down. Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of tribes of the sons of Jacob to whom the word of the Lord had come saying, Israel shall be your name. So with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord and, get this, he made a trench around the altar large enough to hold two measures of seed when he arranged the wood and cut the ox in pieces and laid on the wood. And he said, fill four pitchers with water and pour it on the burnt offering and on the wood. And he said, do it a second time. So they did it a second time. And he said, do it a third time. And they did it a third time. The water flowed around the altar and also filled the trench with water. So now Elijah's really like, you know, he's like, he was there being, come on, where are your gods? Maybe he's asleep. And now he's going, okay, I built my altar I'm pouring litres of water on it. I've mocked you. Now I'm like mocking you even more, being like, okay, watch what my God does. At the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, Elijah the prophet came near and said, O Lord, 
the God of Abraham, Isaac and Israel, today let it be known that you are God in Israel and I am your servant and I have done all these things at your word. Answer me, O Lord, answer me, that these people may know that you, O Lord, are God and that you have turned their heart back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. When all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Then Elijah said to them, Seize the prophets of Baal. Do not let one of them escape. They seized them. Elijah took them down to the brook and slew them there. Now Elijah said to Ahab, and this was all kind of like pre-story. This is like, now Elijah said to Ahab, Go up, eat and drink, for there is the sound of the roar of a heavy shower. Oh, come on. Like, okay, yes, are you with me? There is the sound of the roar of a heavy shower. Elijah has got this word from God that says, I'm going to put rain on the earth. He's gone. He's been obedient. He showed himself to Ahab. He's been confident in who his God is. He's been confident in the promises to the point of being like mocking to the other people. And then when God shows up, lights the fire, burns up everything, including water, cool, um, straight away he says, there's a sound. There's a sound. There is the sound. We have had years of drought. Our land is so dry that people are dying. People are making their last meal because they're about to die. There is no food left on the land. But there's a sound of a heavy shower. Oh, if we get there. So Ahab went up and ate and drank. But Elijah went to the top of Carmel and he crouched down on the earth and put his face between his knees. His knees. He said to his servant, go up now, look towards the sea. So he went up and looked and said, there's nothing. He said, go back seven times. He came about the seventh time and he said, behold, a cloud as small as a man's fist hand is coming up from the sea. And he said, Go up, say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down so that the heavy rain does not get you. In a little while, the skies grew black with clouds and wind and there was a heavy shower and Ahab rode away and went to Jezreel and the hand of the Lord was on Elijah and he girded up his loins and outran Ahab to Jezreel. Oh my gosh, okay, let's just like get excited about what this means for us today in 2021 in Jesus' name. I know all of that like backstory, you're like... There's a lot of scripture. It's the word of the Lord and we're in the house of the Lord. You'll get over it. Um, there's a couple of things I want to take from this, which come on, I really implore you for your own situation, your own life, what you're going through in your own world, that you get the heart of God for this. Yes. yes. I love, there's a couple of things. Like what we said, Elijah knew the promise of God in verse 1. God talks about it. Elijah was obedient. He went. Elijah was confident. He had ears to hear first what God was doing. He didn't give up. So Elijah has gone through this whole ordeal and yet he's so sure and certain, I know what my God wants to do. And just for your own situation... You know, we can, like, they were in the middle of a drought. They were in the middle of something that was not, it was a hostile environment. It wasn't, there wasn't life. It wasn't flourishing. But in that, Elijah didn't see his current situation. He didn't see his current circumstance. He didn't look around him and be like, oh, man, like, 
these guys are going crazy with their sacrifices and I'm here and I'm one man and there's 450 of them. Like he wasn't like affected by what he saw around him because he knew the promise of God. The word of God came to him in verse one and it says, I will send rain on the land. I will. God said it. He promised it and he didn't even question it. Imagine being there with 450 like psychos, like just uh, honestly, like just picture it. And he's there and he's still so confident. He doesn't question. He doesn't say, maybe I got it wrong. Maybe like this was not a good idea. God, are you actually going to like light my sacrifice on fire? Like he didn't question it. He didn't back down. He stood his ground and he said, no, God, you have said it. I love that. He didn't give up. And then even when it talks about after it had happened, it said straight away, he was like, I can hear the sound of a heavy rain. But you got to get this. There was nothing. There was no rain. There was no clouds. There was no droplets falling. But spiritually, he was like, I can hear the sound. I can prophetically hear already what God wants to do and flood this earth. Then he goes up to Mount Carmel and he's there and he's praying and he's asking, like, I believe he's asking God to be like, come on, let's do this. He sends up his servants seven times. What do you see? The first time, there's nothing there. Just big blue sky, big hot sun, like, you know, they're in the Middle East somewhere and he's like, like, not looking good, Elijah, go again. Second time, yeah, imagine being the servant. Imagine every time being like, do I say, like, do I give him something to be like, I think there's like, like, imagine him coming back and being like, there's nothing, go again. There's still nothing, go again, there's nothing. And then the servant comes back and he says, there's a cloud, the size of a man's fist. It's not even a storm cloud. It's not even like a beautiful rain cloud. It's like, you know, there's like probably, I mean, it might not have been, but in my head when I read this, I'm so visual. I imagine like a little fluffy, like little cloud. It's like, it's kind of this little cloud. Um, and I love, this is what I love. I love that Elijah was so sure on the promises of God that he sees that little cloud and he's like, yeah, we got it. We got it. That's it. Where it's on, it's on. And he's like, come on, hurry up, Ahab. Like, you're going to get flooded out in your chariot. And then it says the clouds built and the rain fell. And he was already in his chariot and he didn't. And Elijah had, does this like supernatural run thing. Have you ever like thought about that? He girds up his loins, which is like his, like, what did they wear? Tunics? Which back in the day was like not a thing. And like he outruns a chariot with horses. Like, I think we read that and we're like, oh, yes. And he outruns Ahab in his chariot. What a story. Actually, think about that. Like, imagine like a chariot with horses and this guy's like, <laughs> like supernatural running power. Even that's cool. I just like, man, Old Testament. Anyway, but bring it back to us today. We can currently look at our situation. You can currently be like, I've got anxiety. I've got debt. I've got family that aren't saved. I've got sickness. I'm lonely. I don't have my spouse yet. I'm not you know, whatever it is, and you can just sit and see what you've got. But my challenge to us today, church, even in our church life of being like, what's God doing? We talk about revival, but we're not really, like we're in it, but we're not. 
lift your eyes and see what is the cloud on the horizon in your life. I don't want us to miss the seasons that God has for us because we're waiting for this ginormous rain cloud, this ginormous storm cloud that we don't have the faith and the expectations to go, yes, I see it, it's coming. Because the moment that he saw it and called it out was the moment then that it said the heavy rain, the clouds built and the rain fell. Imagine if the servant was like, it's really small, Elijah. Like, I don't think it's probably, I don't know, should I say, maybe we'll wait till it gets bigger. Imagine if he didn't even, like, straight away he was like, Elijah's like, yeah, we got it. And there's this story that Bill Johnson tells, and it was when they first kind of took over the church. And this just encouraged my heart so much because he said they had this meeting and, like, nobody responded to, like, the Holy Spirit. It was, like, very much like... Ooh, yes, Jesus. Um, very straight, very like well presented. But he said there was one lady. There was one lady at the back that was on her knees crying. He's like, we got it. We've got it. And naturally, nobody else responded. Naturally, nobody else was moved, I guess, how we want to say. Like, you know, no one was on the ground shaking or hands raised. It was one lady And him and Benny walked away from that going, it's revival. That's revival. That was his small cloud the size of a man's fist. And oh my gosh, what is your small cloud? What is your encouragement? What is your thing in your world now that you're going? You might not have all the answers. You might not have all of the solutions that you want to see physically outward. But there is one small cloud that we have the faith and the expectancy to go, yes, that's it. You know, you don't need much. You know, all you need, and I know that we know this, we've heard this, you only need one spark to light a fire. You only need one. God doesn't need 5,000 rusty, crusty, dried out trees, I don't know, to light a fire. He just needs one. He just needs one. He just needs one to be set alight to the point where it will then burn. And you know this really cool thing, where there is fuel, the fire will burn. If you are at a point in your life, if we as a church are at a point in our lives where we are going to be the fuel of the fire, we're going to burn, baby, like in the best possible way. But it only takes one moment to go, yep, that's it. And I want to read this because I think that this is cool as well. We often wait for God to act when he, in fact, is waiting for us to believe his word and live fully in what he has provided for us. Can you see it? Can you see it for your own life? Can you see it for our church? Can you see it for our city? What is the cloud, the size of a man's fist that we can by faith go, that's it. We got it. It's on. Come on. Let's gird up our loins and let's run. Supernaturally, let's run because we are waiting for God, but he's going. It's all paid for. It's all done. It's all there. There's all access. It's not like he's waiting for us to be perfect, be the right, say the right prayers, do them like his word, his access to his kingdom is fully there. And I fully believe that, that he's just waiting for us. He's just, where, where they're praying, we're desperate, we're going, God, come on, move, move, move. We want to see revival. And he's going, yeah, me too. <laughs> do something. <laughs> and then he will come and then he will move. But our faith and our expectancy has to be there. This is really cool as well. I'm going to read this quote says, 
For most of the time, our greatest prayers are answered in seed form to give us the chance to grow in our ability to steward the answer as it comes in fullness. This sets the stage for a larger answer. In other words, instead of God giving an an oak tree, he gives an acorn. Faith sees that there's an oak tree in the acorn and there is an unlimited number of acorns in the oak tree. The point is we must see the potential in the answer he gives us or will not take care of the answer properly. In your own life, what is the acorn that God has given you? It might not be the oak tree. It might not be, you know, the millions of dollars of provision that you need maybe for your debt. It might not be, you know, the salvation of all of your family members. It might not be all of that stuff might not have happened yet, but he's given you something. He's given you something. And what you do with that acorn, how you steward it, how you see the potential in it, how you see the faith that is involved in that acorn, I believe, like what that says, it grows. Same thing with that cloud. There was a cloud and Elijah was like, we've got it. That's it. The rain is coming. I heard it. He's already heard it. He's already heard not just the drizzle, not just the pitter patter, but he heard the heavy rain. So when he sees the cloud, he's like, I'm matching that with that. Have you heard yet? Do you know yet what he's saying? Do you know yet the promises that he's placed in your heart enough for you to go, I'm hearing, now I've just got to see. And you might just see a glimmer. We might just see a moment here today, but it's enough for us to go, oh, baby, we got it. Like the spark has started, the fire's burning. We just need to stoke more fuel on it and we're good to go. But oh my gosh, this is so humbling for me because I think I'm always like, come on, like, let's just like thousands and thousands of people, like, and I just, I want to be faithful with the cloud. I want to be faithful with the acorn. I want to be faithful and not diminish what God is starting to germinate in our midst. And already you can start to feel it, like there's so many of you that are so hungry for more of God. Build that hunger, build that fire, build that expectancy and others are going to catch a light. But let's not wait for the bushfire. Let's like enjoy and foster and fuel and fan into flame the little campfire that we've got here. And then guarantee that fire is going to spread. Guarantee that's going to start. Another way, like we were talking about the rain. When the rain comes, what is the cloud? And I just... I'm thinking about it corporately with us as church, but also individually. You all have unanswered prayers. You all have things and promises in your heart that you're like, oh, God, it might be healing. It might be the promise of healing. It might be the promise of salvation for your family. It might be the promise of salvation for your workmates. It might be restoration of relationships. It might be financial provision. That might be your own personal revival. You've all got promises. And if you don't have a promise, if you're sitting there going, I don't actually know what God's got for my life. I believe he wants to give you one. Our God is a God of promise. He's that's how he always works in his word. He gives a word. He gives a promise. And pe- the men and women of God hold on to that. And they say, we're going to see it fulfilled. So if you don't have a promise in your heart, let's get one today. Like, I'll, I'll pray for you. We'll get it. But all of you, You've got something in your heart that you haven't yet seen. 
But let's be people that eyes up, eyes up, eyes looking, eyes expectant, eyes seeing with faith, eyes wanting to hear, eyes wanting to hear, ears wanting to hear. Can I hear the roar? Can I hear the sound? And I love that even in Acts 2, when they gathered together and they were meeting together, it said that there was a roar. There was a sound of a rushing wind. There's sounds in heaven. There's sight in heaven. There's things that we're not just sitting on our hands waiting for it to happen. But what is your cloud? What is your cloud? What is your sound? What is something that God has given you today as a little encouragement, as a little excitement, as a little, okay, it's on God. Like, you know, when you just get that like, yeah, like, come on, like, we're we're there, we got it. I don't know if you get that. Anyway, um, but yes, there's something because we can't despise what God started. We can't see this environment and go, oh, I'm so disappointed that people didn't fall on their face this morning in church. Maybe you will fall on your face this morning in church. Who knows? No, but we can't just go like, I don't know, even for the worship team. Like, I know their hearts of what they want to see in worship. But I love that analogy when Bill Johnson said there was one lady crying. And him and Benny said, that's revival. And then from that, from that expectation, the fire just grew. So in here, I see you all as acorns with oak trees. But within your oak trees, there are an unlimited supply of acorns that have oak trees, that have acorns, that have oak trees. And it's not just what I see in front of me here. It is more and it is above and it's beyond what I could ever hope, dream or imagine. So let's start the fire baby let's start one spark and let's see it burn let's see it burn for God because I believe that that is what he wants to do in Jesus name we hope you were encouraged by today's message if you would like to know more about our church please go to celebrationchurch.com.au
Thank you, Jesus. Just going to let the worship team keep singing this bridge chorus bit because I actually believe that that was such a prophetic, um, a prophetic verse about the dry bones. And this says, let the wind blow, let the tide roll. So the earth knows you're a God of love. Let my dry bones sing a new song. All the glory to the God of love. And if you this morning specifically just feel dry, you feel like there's not much left, or you just feel like you need just a refreshing, I would love to pray for you. Because I got that when I was driving in, just that verse of Ezekiel, can these dry bones live? Only you know, O Lord. But that his heart is to bring them together, put them back together, stand them up, and then breathe his breath of life into them. That's his heart for you this morning. And there's no shame in that. There's no, there's no it, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how long you've walked with God. We all go through seasons of feeling dry. But I believe that that was a prophetic, a prophetic encouragement. And when I came in, somebody prayed it over me about the dry bones coming back to life. And now this song, again, is resonating with that whole idea. So please, if you feel like you've got some dry bones, come down the front and let's just let this beautiful worship song just wash over you. We believe that we're a well. We believe that we're called to be a refreshing house. So come and have a drink this morning. Come and let your bones be rattled and shaken back together by his love and his kindness and his goodness. In Jesus' name. Thank you, God.